We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Excited to have you along for another episode today. Big episode of the pod uh, coming at you live on a couple different platforms. We're here on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres, as well as over on Twitter at MTorres Sports. So if you guys are here on the live stream, go ahead and drop a comment in the chat. Or if you're watching on replay, go ahead and leave a comment. Let me know how you're feeling about Oregon football and the transfer portal because that is the focus of today's episode. What's next for Oregon football and the transfer portal following a wave of spring departures? Uh, there's a couple of names that hit the portal that we've talked about extensively over on DucksDigest.com. So if you guys aren't already reading me over there, Make sure you go ahead and check me out over there. Tons of recruiting coverage ramping up, coming your way, um, coming out of the spring game. You know, a lot of big, big buzz for the Ducks. Uh, already had a number of interviews that I've completed and rolling some of those updates out over on Ducks Digest. You're looking at uh, Conroe, Texas, Oak Ridge defensive lineman, Joseph Jonah Ajonye. He's teammates with Justin Williams, a big five-star linebacker target with Oregon. Talked to Joseph and got his thoughts on his Oregon visit, as well as uh, Duck Legacy, Achilles Smith Jr., uh, big-time quarterback out of San Diego Lincoln High School. He was also on campus. So both of those updates are over there, and I'm going to be making my way out to modern day later this afternoon for a spring practice, try to talk to Brandon Baker and see what else, what other kind of recruiting notes we can get. So that's kind of something to keep an eye out for. And uh, now we're going to hop into the transfer portal. Man, the transfer portal has been such an interesting wrinkle in college football, but more so this season between the 2020 offseason between 2022 and 2023 than in the past. You know, Oregon is is one of the schools that has had the most departures uh, in all of college football this offseason. I don't know the exact number. I'll have to go ahead and, and look um, and, and tally all that up, but. We've seen a lot of movement in the transfer portal lately, and uh, it's definitely changing college football, no doubt about that, and it's going to have an impact. We saw that the transfer portal had a heck of an impact on Oregon football in 2022. Oregon went into the transfer portal to get their best defensive player in cornerback Christian Gonzalez, who went 17th overall to the New England Patriots, and then, of course, they went to the transfer portal to grab Bo Nix 
from the Auburn Tigers, and uh, he became the best player on the team and, and really reignited that Oregon offense. So we know that the transfer portal has uh, already been a pretty big success for Oregon and Dan Lanning in his early tenure as the head coach at Oregon, but we saw a, a decent bunch of names enter the transfer portal during spring football and you know, in the last week, two weeks, as things kind of started to wind down in spring football from those 15 practices. Um, so I'm going to run through some of them and then kind of talk about what's next because we've also seen Oregon add a player via the transfer portal this offseason. So we're going to talk about him a little bit. But just going through this list of guys that have entered the transfer portal from Oregon this spring, you have defensive lineman Trevor Maai, who has since landed at Baylor, where Matt Pallage is the defensive coordinator. So seeing some familiarity there. Uh, with Pallage and Oregon, obviously. And then you have Keith Brown, uh, an inside linebacker that was projected to play a pretty decent amount of snaps in 2023 for Oregon. He has since announced his... Sorry about that, folks. I'm having a little bit of mic issues, but I'm going to try to keep it rolling. Um, I think we should be okay now, but if it happens again, so sorry things are all right and we're still rolling um but what i was saying was that keith brown has since announced his commitment to louisville and then you have anthony jones uh an edge rusher outside linebacker from the 2022 class he's already uh, entered the portal jaleel tucker another 2022 signee from oregon cornerback and then sir mels he is kind of one of the latest big additions to the transfer portal uh you know departures from oregon uh i'm hearing a little bit of buzz that he could be taking a visit out to mississippi state so keep an eye out on Sir Mills and see where he maybe checks out for his next stop. And then you have a couple more DBs, Darren Barkins and Avante Dickerson, two 2021 signees for Oregon at cornerback. Neither one of them really saw the field too much. Avante Dickerson saw some playing time in that, uh, that Oklahoma Bowl game in the Alamo Bowl towards the end of the 2021 season before Dan Lanning's tenure started at Oregon. And then you also have the most recent addition for Oregon in the transfer portal, Old Miss transfer tight end Casey Kelly, younger brother of former Clemson and Old Miss quarterback Chad Kelly. So Drew Maringer and the rest of this Oregon coaching staff, they knew that tight end was going to be a need for the Ducks in spring football. And then when Terrence Ferguson went down with an injury, that need got all the more pressing. So the Ducks had to ride out kind of the back half of spring football with Patrick Herbert and Kenyon Sadiq, the early enrollee true freshman tight end out of Idaho, who's kind of functioning as a, a jumbo wide receiver right now. But but some of the people around Oregon are telling me that that guy puts on some weight and, and he could be a problem once he really kind of gets developed at Oregon. But uh, he's getting thrown into the fire right now as a true freshman. You bring in Casey Kelly over out of the transfer portal, kind of more of a, a, a blocking tight end than a pass catching tight end like Terrence Ferguson. But I think that Oregon brings him in, knowing that Terrence Ferguson is going to be their big-time threat in the passing game. And then Patrick Herbert also added some uh, additional value in the passing game as well, playing his first full season at Oregon after battling a lot of injury history. So six foot three, 255-pound tight end with Casey Kelly. I think that's a great addition for Oregon. Certainly helps fill a position of need. Uh, I talked all about that commitment exclusively, extensively on the uh, recent episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. So uh, go ahead and give that one a listen or a watch if you haven't already. So before we talk about kind of what's next for Oregon in the transfer portal, let, let's talk a little bit about the dynamic of the transfer portal and the effect that it's had on college football. Because right now, more than ever, 
I think we're seeing this kind of kind of little mic issue it says that it's disconnecting when it's not i think we're good now uh but we're seeing that uh the guys over on duck territory were talking about it so i got to give them uh, uh some props you know with their their work on the odds and audibles podcast they were talking about how more or less i'm paraphrasing here there's less buffer time or less of a grace period in college football for for these guys to get developed and it's kind of becoming if if you're not contributing right away or if you're not at least in the position to contribute and kind of at least be a rotational piece after the first year, I think that college coaches are uh, are kind of, you know, having less patience because they can go to the transfer portal and get a guy that is capable of contributing right away, a guy who's going to bring instant impact and improvement production and veteran experience. Um, so I'm not saying that was the case with everybody at Oregon that, uh, that entered the transfer portal. But, you know, there definitely are some of those conversations that are happening behind the scenes where it's just kind of. All right, we're going to be rolling with my laptop microphone for the rest of today. I don't know why my microphone doesn't want to cooperate, but really sorry about that. We're going to focus on that and there shouldn't be any more issues for the rest of the podcast, but. There are some conversations going on, you know, behind the scenes at, at schools across the country where, you know, guys are, are just kind of being told straight up, hey, this is kind of what we see your role being. And if that doesn't line up with, with what they want to do, obviously, guys want to play college football. That's that's the dream. So they're, uh, you know, that they're kind of you know faced with that reality. Do you want to stay at your school or um, or do you want and not play or do you want to go to another school, um, maybe a step down in competition, but but an easier path to playing time? So that's kind of the dynamic that we're seeing with the transfer portal now and, and why we're seeing so much roster churn so quickly in the course of just one off season. And, and that has definitely been the case with Oregon. Um, Casey Kelly was the 11th transfer portal edition for Oregon football. And um, I want to say they have like something around 25 departures. Um, like I said earlier in the show, I, I got to go ahead and, and, and work the numbers on that one, but we're seeing a tremendous amount of roster movement, um, just on a year to year basis. And, uh, you know, you just got to get your best roster to compete for next season. And I feel like there's maybe a little bit less of that projection, um, of the long-term vision. Certainly you're going to be taking that into account when you're adding guys, but you're becoming more and more focused on just the next season. So that's an interesting dynamic to kind of just set the stage as we talk about what's next for Oregon in uh, in the transfer portal. And I think that some of the big names that we're going to be talking about here on this episode have popped into the portal uh, just uh, just recently. I'm going to talk about two guys that are recent entrants into the transfer portal, and then one guy who's been in the portal for quite a bit um, that uh, that it looks like Oregon is is pretty heavily involved with. So the first guy that I'm going to be talking about is Zachary Franklin. Zachary Franklin is an interesting name to watch in the transfer portal because he hit the portal after being, I want to say, the all-time leading receiver at UTSA, which, as we all know, was the former stop for, um, for Will Stein, Oregon's new offensive coordinator. So he entered the transfer portal, I want to say it was last Friday or over the weekend, uh, he entered the transfer portal after, you know, setting records and just having a really, really good season 
at UTSA. He's played in 46 games over his four seasons with the Roadrunners. Uh, 46 games, caught 262 passes for just over 3,300 yards and 37 touchdowns. If we're looking at just last season alone, 14 games, 94 receptions for 1,136 yards and 15 touchdown passes. Um, so you're seeing a guy that was incredibly, incredibly explosive, incredibly productive, um, you know, at UTSA, which, uh, you know, we all know we don't have to, we don't have to, you know, play ourselves. It's not Oregon, but I think that Zachary Franklin is a player that we could definitely see Oregon go after here in the transfer portal because of that familiarity with UTSA. You know, he was one of the leading weapons for offensive coordinator Will Stein during his time uh, out there in the state of Texas. So we see that connection there. Why would you not want to go to a school like Oregon, a, a school that a lot of kids dream playing for? They, they grow up with that dream of playing for Oregon. And then if you're Will Stein and you're looking at this, you're looking at it saying, hey, this was my top option at, uh, at UTSA. He was super productive. I think that he's good enough to, to come over to Oregon and, and compete with the other wide receivers in this room, compete with the defensive backs on this team. And I think he's going to be a guy. Then I, I don't see why you wouldn't get um, uh, involved there. And then you also have, um, you also have Antonio Parks, uh, an offensive analyst that was added to this coaching staff uh, this, this off season uh, who came over from Arizona state. And then before he was at Arizona state, he was on that same UTSA staff with Will Stein. So in this age of the transfer portal, you, you kind of have to, to read between the lines, right? Read between the tea leaves and, and kind of backtrack things, see the guys that are in the portal and kind of how their their connection, what connections are there with uh, with the Oregon staff. But I think Zakari Franklin is is absolutely uh, a guy that you need to go after if you're Oregon because I think that you have a really good chance of landing him. Which is uh, one of these questions we have in the in the live chat. Uh, do you think we land Franklin or GBJ Gary Bryant Jr. Who I'm going to talk about a little bit later in this episode. Um, but but as for Zakari Franklin, you know, six foot one, 185 pounds. Um, I think that he kind of, he's not necessarily a Tez Johnson type of receiver. I think maybe he, he probably projects as more of a, a Chris Hudson type of player um, just because, you know, Tez has a bit of a smaller frame, but you know, from, from what I've heard about Zachary Franklin, I mean, this guy is just electric um, and, and he's someone that I think any, any program would want to have on their team. And I think that you could definitely see a, a fit for, Franklin and, and Eugene. It's just interesting because the Ducks have already added two uh, transfer portal wide receivers this offseason. But uh, I wrote the other day how uh, Zachary Franklin is a guy worth watching uh, in the transfer portal for Oregon just because of those connections there. I don't think you necessarily have that need at wide receiver, but boy, would he be a very, very interesting addition for Will Stein and Junior Adams and, and the rest of this uh, Oregon offensive staff because we saw a couple guys, you know, really, really shine uh, during the during the spring game at wide receiver. Both Tez, Tez Johnson probably had the play of the day, taking that short pass from Ty Thompson and, and turning it into a touchdown, taking off 70 yards down the field. Um, and, and, you know, Kyrie Jackson was saying, you know, if you miss one tackle on that guy, he might burn you, um, which is exactly what happened in that game, you know, he was juking a couple of uh, Oregon defenders out of their socks in that game. So 
we were already seeing some of these transfer portal wide receivers making their impact known at, at Oregon and, and making their presence felt in the spring game. But maybe a guy like Zachary Franklin can, can take this wide receiver room to, to another level uh, because we already know that Troy Franklin's going to be the starter, the number one guy, the go-to guy for Bo Nix after the season that they had last year, you know, he's looking like a projected first round pick, but, but you could throw a guy like Zachary Franklin into the mix here and Oregon could have one of the deepest wide receiver rooms in the, in the, in the pack 12. Um, you know, I'm not trying to say that that's the reality of the, of the room right now, but based on some of the guys that they're going after, and if they're able to land them, I think that you could be looking at a very interesting wide receiver room come the start of the 2023 season or, or even fall camp. Right because the Ducks also signed two wide receivers in the 2023 recruiting class with a five-star jury on Dickey, who isn't on campus yet, but he was in Eugene for the spring game. You know, he's an Adidas All-American, uh, you know, caliber player. Um, and uh, he was the number two wide receiver in the country in his class, um, but behind only Zachariah Branch out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, who's over at USC. Um, so he he's in elite company for sure, but as we talk about Zachary Franklin and, and Troy Franklin and Treshawn Holden and Tez Johnson, you, you gotta be feeling good about Oregon's wide receiver room going into 2023. You haven't even talked about guys like Kyler Casper and, and Ashton Cozart as well. And Chris Hudson um, obviously d- deserves a mention um, in, in that mix as well. But Zachary Franklin isn't the only transfer portal wide receiver that Oregon could be going after. Um, you know, as I record this, we're, we're live uh, on Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. Um, Oregon hasn't offered Zachary Franklin, uh, at least from what I'm able to see right now. But I'm kind of just telling you, you know, you see the connections and, and it makes sense that they could go after him because they would probably have a good shot. They would probably have better relationships than just about anybody else that could come after him now that he is in the transfer portal. But like I said, Zachary Franklin's not the only guy in the transfer portal at the wide receiver spot that Oregon could be giving a look at. We know that Oregon's taking a look at Gary Bryant Jr., the former USC wide receiver who has uh, taken an official visit to Oregon. I believe he was in town just a couple weeks ago, and he's supposed to announce his college commitment, his next college commitment, second time around, right, because he's in the portal. Gary Bryant Jr. is supposed to announce his college commitment, I believe, on May 13th. That's not this coming Saturday, but the next one after that. Uh, and it looks like Oregon is in a really good spot with him uh, from some of the sources that I've talked to and some of the intel I've been able to gather. It looks like that's still the case, that Oregon is in the driver's seat for Gary Bryant right now. A uh, couple other schools in the mix there are Texas A&M and Miami. I think that he has to be a priority for you if you're Oregon because he's a, a West Coast guy, um, you know, originally from Southern California. You want to be making buzz, making noise in the transfer portal and he wasn't that productive at USC. You know, I'm not trying to slight this guy at all. I'm just kind of giving my two cents and, and kind of evaluating the situation for Oregon. Gary Bryan Jr. was not incredibly productive while he was at USC, uh, functioning mainly as um, mainly as a, a returner, right? But you got to keep in mind here, I think that maybe what happened here is that, you know, Lincoln Riley comes in, takes the job after, uh, you know, being on the Oklahoma staff, 
and he's going to bring in his own guys, right? You know, you bring in Jordan Addison, who went first round to, to Minnesota. You bring in Mario Williams, who's back for another year. He's going to be a beast. Um, you know, Deuce Robinson and Zachariah Branch coming in. Makai Lemon as well. You know, some serious talent on the offensive side of the ball. And, and maybe Gary Bryant just didn't kind of uh, didn't kind of fit into the mix there for the Trojans at wide receiver. But that that all being said. He did play 10 games in 2021, caught 44 passes for 579 yards and, and seven touchdown passes. Um, and I think that you do see some production there and some promise. And he has a good relationship with, with Junior Adams because he had Washington as a top school coming out of high school, out of Corona Centennial the first time around. So this is where we're seeing it come into effect again, right? You want to keep those good relationships. And um, this is where the transfer portal can kind of uh, – you know, benefit you if you're if you're a coaching staff, right? Just because you miss out the first time, Gary Bryant chose USC over Oregon and a couple other schools coming out of high school, doesn't mean that it's over for you if they uh, if they end up entering the the transfer portal, um, if they end up entering the transfer portal at some point. So I think that with Gary Bryant Jr. already being the guy that Oregon was in a great spot for, it just makes you kind of wonder what would this wide receiver room look like? Would Oregon take commitments from both of these guys from a Gary Bryant jr. And from a Zachary Franklin, because when we saw all those guys hit the portal as spring football, kind of trying to wind started to wind down, Oregon finally got under the 85 scholarship limit um, that they've been battling to get under pretty much throughout the whole off season, right? You know, when the off season started and Oregon was getting all these transfers and, and signing these guys from the 2023 recruiting class, the question kept being, you know, what, how are we going to get under the, you know, from fans, I kept seeing, you know, from a lot of my you know, subscribers and readers and listeners and everything, how is Oregon going to get under the 85 scholarship limit? Well, they're finally under that. So what are they going to do uh, at, uh, in the transfer portal for kind of the remainder of the off season leading into 2023? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we're talking about some of these wide receivers, Zachary Franklin out of UTSA and Gary Bryant Jr. out of uh, USC. Um, I think that Oregon feels really good about their chances with, with Gary Bryant Jr. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a duck based on my feel for that commitment. Nothing finalized. We got to see what happens. You know, still 11 days before uh before his reported commitment date so we got to keep tabs on that one and then we got to see if if uh, a guy like zakari franklin ends up coming out to eugene for a visit that's kind of the next step now that he's in the portal 
you know, trying to figure out who he's hearing from. And then if he's going to end up taking some visits, obviously, before finding his next destination. I got one more guy I want to talk about, and then I'll try to get to some of these comments before we get out of here today. But Oregon made another interesting offer on Monday uh, in the transfer portal. And this time it came on the defensive side of the ball to uh, to a cornerback, to Louisiana Lafayette transfer Trey Amos, uh, who is originally from the state of Louisiana. He entered the transfer portal on Monday. And uh, I think that you hear you hear that he um, enters the transfer portal and you hear that he's from UL Lafayette and you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, that's that's not necessarily big time football uh, out there for, for the raging Cajuns. But Oregon's not the only school that is very interested in, in Trey Amos. There's a couple of other big time schools that have since offered Trey Amos. This is a guy who's barely been in the transfer portal for even 24 hours. He's, he has offers from Oregon, Oklahoma, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Illinois, Michigan State, and Miami. You know, those are just some of the of the the schools that have offered Trey Amos since he since he entered the transfer portal. So gonna share my screen so you guys can see um, you know a little bit more about him. This, this is Trey, this is his bio uh, on the UL Lafayette website. Um, but let's look at the stats because what do the stats tell us about kind of the football that he's been able to play? Spent three seasons with the Raging Cajuns, played in 34 games, and recorded 59 total tackles, 46 solo, two and a half tackles for loss, 14 pass breakups, and one interception. Uh, I think that you definitely want to see more interception production and more numbers there, but look at the season that he's coming off of in 2022. 26 solo tackles, 35 total tackles, and eight passes defended. So he was staying active, staying around the ball, and I'm not really surprised that Oregon made an offer here, right? Because the Ducks have been trying to, you know, replace Christian Gonzalez throughout this offseason. So what is the what is the cornerback picture look like for Oregon now that now that Christian Gonzalez is off to the NFL to, to play for the New England Patriots? I talked about it earlier, but I mean, kind of surprising that he fell that far, but I think it really ended up benefiting him because he's playing for a really good franchise and, and a, a team that's known for playing some pretty good defense. So that's a good fit, I think, for Christian Gonzalez. But where does that leave Oregon? Now you're looking for a new lockdown cornerback and you've got to look at all your options, right? Oregon's turning over every lead that they can. You bring in Kyrie Jackson from Alabama. He had a couple of good plays in that spring game. Uh, and then you also have Dante Manning, who I thought looked awesome in the spring game. Uh, that that pass breakup uh, on that uh, – that one-on-one -on -one matchup with Justice Lowe in the corner of the end zone. I thought that was his highlight play for sure. Triquez Bridges had a good, a couple of good plays. Looked like he was just kind of in the right spot at the right time. That was a big theme throughout the uh, spring game for Oregon. So I think that you're feeling more confident about that cornerback room right now, but you also signed a lot of guys at cornerback. I think it was five high school corners. You got Cole Martin, who had a heck of a game. That dude plays like he's shot out of a cannon. He's explosive. He's twitchy. He's kind of lightning in a bottle for a defensive guy. He brings added value in the return game. Loved what I saw from Cole Martin. Maybe we see him uh, playing a pretty decent amount as a true freshman. And then you also have Solomon Davis, who came in from Charter Oak in Covina. He was another guy that you added in the 2023 class, kind of a late flip from Arizona. But I know that Dan Lanning and staff are, are really excited about what's in store for him. And then you have a couple of corners that aren't even on campus yet. Dalen Austin, who was an All-American out of Long Beach Poly, he's not on campus yet or going through practice. So 
Got to see what he can add to the mix. He's a long, fast corner that I think really fits what Dan Lanning and Tosh LePoy want to do on defense. And then you also have Roderick Pleasant, who is kind of similar to Cole Martin, right? Kind of a shorter guy, but all the explosiveness, all the quickness in the world, good ball skills, you know, ultra competitive, high football IQ kind of a guy. And then you also have Colin Gill from uh, Washington, D.C., St. John's College. So all those guys aren't even in the mix yet, but I feel like you're getting a better feel of where this cornerback room is at. And I think that if you bring in a guy like a Trey Amos, I think that uh, this is a guy that that Oregon clearly feels can can impact the program and can uh, can bring something to the table here at that cornerback spot. Because even though you bring Kyrie Jackson in, wasn't necessarily a standout guy uh, at um, at Alabama. You know, he didn't have you know a, a bunch of stats that are going to blow you away necessarily. So you bring in a guy like Trey Amos, and he's going to be able to continue pushing the competition in that room. And I think it makes a lot of sense if if you're able to if you're able to ultimately bring him in. Um, so looking at Trey Amos, he's six foot one, about 197 pounds. Came into the program at 6'1", 182, and then he uh, ended up you know departing the program at 6'1", 197. So he's got some of that good speed and uh, that that good frame that you want in a corner to go up against some of these bigger wide receivers. So. I think that that's another name that we have to watch in the transfer portal for Oregon could make a lot of sense to bring in another proven guy, another veteran guy into that cornerback room uh, that has done some, some good stuff, played some good college football for you. So it's a numbers game as we all know, right? What are, what are the ducks going to do now that they have a couple more open scholarships? I think that maybe some people have talked about some other spots that you could bring in some guys at uh, in the transfer portal, maybe another offensive lineman, uh, I saw that was a comment in one of my shows yesterday. I don't know. I think I'm feeling pretty good about Oregon's offensive line right now. I think there's a little bit of uncertainty because of uh, some injuries, right? You got um, you got Marcus Harper the second who got banged up in uh, in spring football, so we don't have a timeline for a return. But but I'm kind of being told that it's looking like he'll be good to go for fall camp. Uh, but that's not ideal, right? Because you had him and Jackson Powers Johnson as your two top candidates to replace Alex Forsythe at center. But uh, Jackson Powers Johnson got to play with Bo Nix in the spring game, and I think he looked great. Um, you know, the team loves him, and, and he's a really cerebral guy, super smart, been playing all over the offensive line since coming to Oregon in 2021. Um, and then you also have a Johnny Cornelius who comes in from, from Rhode Island. He's a proven guy, probably a projected starter. Junior Angelau did not play in the spring game. The uh, Texas offensive line transfer, I think he, he projects more as an interior guy for you at one of the guard spots. And then you have Josh Connerly coming back. He could be the starting left tackle for you. I think, again, that was something I talked about with Spencer McLaughlin on my recent uh, episode uh, of like my top takeaways from the spring game. I think it was very intentional that the Ducks had Jackson Powers Johnson and Josh Connerly Jr. on the same team as Bo Nix. And then you also have Stephen Jones, who's a stud for you. He comes back after missing most of 2022 with an injury. And then George Silva, a, a Juco guy that they added, Pretty raw prospect, but he looked pretty good in that spring game and got plenty of playing time. So I don't think you need another guy at offensive line. I think that if you're a league, Terry, Mike Cavanaugh, and the rest of this offensive line stack, you're feeling pretty good about where you sit there. Uh, but maybe linebacker makes a little bit of sense. Inside linebacker, even though the Ducks are playing a 4-2-5 defense, you got Justin Jacobs, Jeffrey Bossa, Jamal Hill looked pretty good. Connor Soley looked good. And then you also have Jerry Mixon and, uh, and Devin Jackson. So maybe you don't really need another linebacker, but I think that spot would make a little bit of sense if, if Oregon chose to, to go down that route. All right, let's get to a couple of these comments to kind of wind down the episode. 
Um, Randy has a question. Do you think that Dan Lanning is giving us a Georgia style defense? And if he is willing to bring back the quack attack, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know if the quack attack is a specific thing. Uh, you know, I've been around Oregon football for a long time, but I, I don't want to say yes. I feel like it, it sounds like an exciting element of the football program. So I'm going to say probably, um, but the Georgia style defense, I think that seeing the, seeing the spring game and just seeing how much crisper, how much cleaner of a game it was, um, and guys being in the right spot, flying around the football, the physicality that we saw, you know, you saw big hits from, from guys like Taishin Johnson, Mateo Uyunglele, uh, Jordan Birch, you know, mixing it up physically. I think that Oregon's definitely trying to get to that Dan Lanning, Georgia style defense. It doesn't happen overnight, obviously. I mean, even maybe going from year one to year two, you're not going to maybe expect uh, a Georgia style defense or that level of, uh, you know, elite play, but I think that they're certainly going towards that. And the spring game was a great step in the right direction of uh, showing how the ducks are progressing. And then Randy with another one, with all the attention that USC and Colorado are getting, do you think that the ducks are going under the radar? Yeah, I think the ducks are going a little bit under the radar. You know, I was listening to Josh Pate over on the late kick and he was talking about how fans are, are thinking that maybe Oregon's going under the radar, but that's okay. Just go into the radar now. And then when the season comes around and you're playing some great football, then you can take a, you know, take them not out of under the radar, but you'll put them into the spotlight, but this is a 10 win team. Oregon won 10 games in 2022 and Dan Lane's first year as a head coach. And there's a lot of big pieces coming back. Uh, you know, no, no bigger piece than Bo Nix coming back. Bo Nix coming back in 2023 is an absolute huge, absolutely huge win for this program and is going to keep them in that national conversation. Maybe we see Bo Nix return to the Heisman conversation. You know, if he doesn't get hurt last year, how does how does he fall in the Heisman race? And, and where does Oregon's season ultimately end? I think that Oregon maybe is going a little bit under the radar, but they're one of the biggest, you know, names in college football, and, and they recruit their butts off. So I think that they're going to stay at the forefront of it for sure. Um. Mark, uh, the portal was supposed to help the kids, but we are seeing coaches exploiting it. Yeah, I think that, you know, I was just talking to um, a high school coach the other day. I think, Mark, your your um, your comments talking about college coaches exploiting the portal. Um, but just to talk about a little bit of the trickle down effect, I think that you I was talking to a high school coach today and, and he was talking about um, I guess then we were talking about official visits. But so maybe I shouldn't mention that that was a different note. I got kind of jumbled up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a double-edged sword. It helps you and it hurts you. And, um, same, same thing goes for how that kind of trickles down to, to high school football recruiting. You know, some kids are missing out on opportunities. Juco guys are missing out on opportunities because coaches can just go to the, the transfer portal and, and get a guy and, and not have to worry about him being a project. Raymond with a question, what's going on, Raymond? Thanks for your question. Question is, do you think the portal can add to the ceiling of the Ducks much like Zakari Franklin, or is it more likely to raise the floor for the Ducks team's performance? Um, I think that I think it can definitely add to the ceiling of this Ducks team, but it also adds to your floor because you have, you know, more proven guys uh, in your room. If, if you're able to, to add a guy like Zakari Franklin, I think that it raises your floor and it raises your ceiling because it's going to make, it's going to make it harder for these defenses to make Oregon one dimensional. It's going to make it harder for these defenses to key in on one guy. If you key in on a Troy Franklin, then what are you going to do about Tez Johnson? What are you going to do about uh, Chris Hudson and Treshawn Holden? So I think that I'm really, really intrigued 
by Oregon's wide receiver room. I think it was a little bit short for depth in the offseason, and then that was even a little bit of the conversation early on in spring ball, and Dan Lanning was saying that he didn't really feel like uh, Oregon's depth at wide receiver was a concern, especially with some of the pieces that they have coming in. you got Jurion Dickey, like I mentioned, who isn't even on campus yet, and then Kyler Casper, who looks good in that spring game as well. I think that he's someone who's going to make some noise as well. Up the SCO, what's up? Thanks for the comment. Hey, Max, great content. Been a fan for a while now. In your opinion, do you think we had any silent commits over the weekend? Um, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, there was a little bit of buzz about some silent commitments. Um, I'm going to wait to get into some recruiting buzz probably on tomorrow's episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I've been able to get some interviews in. Um, so, so we'll see if they got any silent commitments. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. You know, you're asking for my opinion here. So I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon did pick up uh, a silent commit or two over the weekend because it's kind of been quiet since the weekend ended and we're kind of waiting for the Ducks to go on a run here in the 2024 recruiting class. But it's all a game of momentum. I think timing plays a huge, uh, a huge role in recruiting. And uh, the Ducks are coming out for the biggest recruiting weekend of the year. So I would not be surprised at all if they did pick up a silent commitment or two over the weekend. We just got to keep an eye out and see what happens and, and what they're able to do in the coming weeks and, and going into summer because that's that's prime time for recruiting. And, you know, this staff wants to make the 2024 class the best in program history. Another question here, if Oregon adds Gary Bryant Jr. or Franklin, I think Hudson might leave. And why the staff offered Troy, Trey Amos? Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing that kind of sucks talking about the transfer portal stuff is that, you know, you see the staff making offers, um, you know, or, or pursuing guys or guys get linked to a program and then fans ask about guys leaving. I, I don't think Chris Hudson's going anywhere. That guy's a competitor. That guy's a dog. Every, every coach I've talked to, um, every person I've talked to around the program about Chris Hudson has told me nothing but good things. And that guy's trying to take his game to another level. And I think you can think about how um, Bo Nix was talking about when Tez got added to the mix. It's just more competition in the room. And if, if you're a true competitor and you want to go out and win a national championship with Oregon, I think you're only going to welcome that competition. And in my opinion, I don't think Chris Hudson is afraid of that competition one bit. I think that he's a guy who who's, you know comes from St. John Bosco, one of the best schools in the country where there's nothing but competition. So I think that um, you know maybe it's not the, the best in terms of his playing time, if they're, if they're able to add some wide receivers uh, via the portal, but I think it'll just get you fired up and, and uh, you know, help him reach that gear because they're going to be pushing him in that room to make him better. Um, and then why the staff offered Trey Amos. Yeah. I was kind of talking about this. I, I just think that you need to give yourself more options. Um, they did go very heavy in the high school recruiting rankings for a corner, but you want to bring in guys that are ready to go right away uh, and, you know, help bridge that gap. You don't want to take a step back, uh, if you don't have to from that cornerback play, I don't know if Trey Amos is necessarily on Christian Gonzalez's level. You know, very few are in terms of his length and speed and, and ball skills and, and football IQ. I need to learn more about uh, Trey Amos, but I think that you offer a guy like that because you still want to get that quarterback room back to the level that it was at, or even take it a step further. I think that's another point that's worth mentioning. The door, the, the Oregon staff are the ducks aren't just trying to get, back to the level that they were at when they had Christian Gonzalez. They're trying to take that thing a whole step further. They want to have four lockdown corners if they can. That's not where they're at now, but that's what you want. So I think that's why you offer a guy like Trey Amos. Um, 
let's see. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, up the SCO with uh, another comment. Um, Mathudi and Williams, linebacker core almost wrapped up. Need Baker, and if we get one or two five-star edges, uh, I think just talking about a couple of guys here that that Oregon, um, you know, has been in a pretty good spot with for a bit. Uh, Kamar Matuti was on campus over the weekend, and, and he's one of the biggest targets for Oregon at linebacker in this 2024 class. Justin Williams was another big-time linebacker prospect that was on campus out of the state of Texas this past weekend. I, I really like Oregon's chances there uh, in his recruitment, but you got you know schools like Georgia and Alabama that are still battling. Enter the enter the mix a little bit later than Oregon did, so maybe some of that long-term relationship is going to help the Ducks here. But but Oregon's looking really solid at their linebacker core. Uh, really like their standing for a number of guys. Dylan Williams at Long Beach Poly is another guy that I think is is big time, and they're in a good spot with. Uh, and then Brandon Baker, he was on campus, five star, uh, number one offensive tackle in, in the country, or high four star at least. Uh, he was on campus, and and I think Oregon's doing a really good job to to kind of resolidify their standing with him. I think that they that they were the team to beat when Adrian Clem and Vianney Talamayval were were on staff. Uh, and then now you kind of have to put in that work with your Alik Terry and Mike Kavanaugh uh, and, uh, and to, to try to just get back to the top of that recruitment. And um, I think with the development that you've had at the offensive lines, um, offensive line spot, I think that you have a really good spot, a really good chance to get him. And then Elijah Rushing's a big time edge rusher that we've talked about a lot. I love Oregon's shot at him. Uh, he was recently on campus. And then maybe they're going to shake things up with a guy like a Dylan Stewart a five-star edge rusher out of uh, Washington, D.C. Good good returns from, uh, you know, I was listening to Steve Wiltfong talking about how David Stone, big-time defensive lineman, is strongly considering an official visit to Oregon after um, after coming out for the spring game. So, yeah, this, this recruiting class has a, a chance to really, really be something special. Colin Jones with a question. What's up, Colin? Any elite running backs expected to commit this cycle? Yeah, the Ducks, I mean, that that running back room is loaded from top to bottom. You got Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington leading the way. Jordan James uh, going into his sophomore year. Dante Dowdell and Jaden Lamar come in from the 2023 class. I think that that this running back room is stacked, but they're still going to continue to add elite guys. Oregon's in a really good spot with Nate Frazier, modern day running back, uh, one of the top all-purpose running backs in the country. I think that they lead for him but he's taking some big visits out to SEC programs. So Oregon's going to have some strong competition to hold off, no doubt about it. And then you have some other guys like Jason Brown Jr. out of Seattle, Washington, O'Day. He's one of the top all-purpose backs in this uh, cycle as well. I think or I think that Oregon is, is staying involved there, but USC might be surging ahead in that one a little bit. SEC programs also in the mix there. Uh, and then you also have Christian Clark, Christian Clark out of Mountain Point High School in Arizona. He was on campus in the week leading up to the spring game. Uh, I know those are three of the top running back targets for Oregon this cycle. They are going to be absolutely big. Got to see if they can finish the deal with those three guys. And then another question, are you worried about Clem not being back and will the O-line play take a dip? Uh, I don't think necessarily, I mean, that that's a departure that hurts for sure. Losing Adrian Clem, there, there's no good way to slice that. Um, I was surprised that he went back to the NFL after just one year and the tremendous success that he had at Oregon. But, you know, that's that's a that's a shot in the NFL. That's the chance to coach the team that drafted you to play for the to coach with the coach that drafted you out of Hawaii when you started your NFL career. So I think that was just too good of an opportunity to 
to pass up. And I think it's only logical to think that the offensive line play will take a bit of a dip. How significant of a dip? That remains to be seen. I just think that that was an all-time Oregon offensive line this past year. And if you're losing guys like that, it only kind of makes sense that you're going to take a step back a little bit from a level of play. But like I've been saying, you have a lot of really good pieces returning, a lot of good pieces being added to the mix from the transfer portal. And uh, I think that Oregon's offensive line is going to be just fine. Uh, Maybe not the level of play that it was last year, but it's going to be a really, really good unit once again. So appreciate the questions from you guys. Love doing these live streams and engaging with you guys, trying to answer these questions and, and just continue building this Oregon football community on the Ducks Dish podcast and on YouTube couple of quick reminders, you know, if you haven't already, smash that like button for me. It is a tremendous help, and I really appreciate it. That does so much to support me uh, and what I'm doing. And then also subscribe to the channel if you could. It's free and only takes a second out of your day. And then make sure you lock in with me on all social media platforms, particularly uh, Twitter and Instagram. I am at mTaurus Sports. I'm also on Facebook at mTaurus Sports, and we have the Ducks Digest Facebook as well. Make sure you stay locked in to ducksdigest.com for my latest Oregon football and recruiting coverage. That'll do it for us. Share the show, share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. Greatly appreciate that. And um, yeah, that that's all I had for you guys. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to tune in, talk some Ducks, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.